Hello, and welcome to Dice Try, the RPG and storytelling podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the new episode of Dice Try. I am your host and GM, Daniel Schaub. I am here with all my players, Crystal Llewellyn, Earl Kim, Paul Allen Dixon, and our audio engineer, GTM, which stands for Giraffe uh, Tutoring Mouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. How are you doing? Hello. Fantastic. Great. Hey. Super. Are you, are you glad that the heat wave is kind of over? Oh, for fuck yeah. I mean, yes. I, I think all of us are glad that that's over. Uh, it's autumn. Yeah, it's still too hot, but it's, it's not. Fall. Yeah. Back to go outside and walk around. Yeah. What's yeah. Uh, your favorite fall time activity? Corn mazes, <laughs> carving pumpkins, haunts, hay rides, punching Nazis. That's a year round thing. That's but I find the fall time it's just especially wistful. That's true. That's true. I was at Target the other day and they were putting out the cider and I was like, should I just get a gallon of cider for just myself? I should buy two gallons of cider for We us. should get lots of cider and start drinking lots of cider. We're, we're just gonna make our own pumpkin juice. Some roasted pumpkin seeds also sound good right now. Mm-hmm. All all the autumnal delights. I'll, you know, I don't I don't care. I'll be basic. Pumpkin spice is such a bigger thing than pumpkin spice like the meme of pumpkin spice is like just like historically and like culinarily like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a funny thing where it's like, "Oh yeah, pumpkin spice is so basic." Like people are like pumpkin spice is basic. It's like, "Okay, cool. Great. All right." But, you know, like, it's just sort of like, okay, we just, uh, how about we just like a thing? 200,000 people are dead because our president's an idiot. Um, can we just like a thing? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of liking a thing, I binge-watched the American Barbecue Showdown on Netflix. They've been watching that. We started watching it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's kind of terrible, but I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, but, there's this one lady who who looks very southern i'll just say it that way yeah <laughs> did you get a consensus called grub and shotgun yeah gr- shotgun and grub i think they need to have a show i also think that sylvie and and tina need to have a morning show together because i really that i think that really speaks to me right, i guess i need to watch this thing yeah it's kind of it's great you, i it's, think you'd appreciate it it's though. the great british bake-off but with barbecue mm-hmm. okay i mean the thing is that I, I feel like i'm just gonna really want barbecue oh yes oh, yeah oh, oh yes <laughs> spoiler alert but the uh, final challenge is that they have to cook an entire hog may also make like an 18 pound brisket oh my god i was just like why don't i have an 18 pound brisket right now <laughs> Why don't why why isn't someone roasting an entire hog for me? Yeah, mm-hmm. I could host that show. I'm more interesting than Rutledge would. Yeah, you are. Literally, a, a wet paper bag is more interesting than what. Rutledge and the only thing, the only critique I will say about the show is that when time is up for the competition, Rutledge would then shouts to them, "Show me the meat." Yes. 
That's what I was talking about on your stream the other day when I said poorly thought out catchphrases. No! Like, show me the meat. Who thought that through? No one. He keeps saying that. We keep giving him the note not to say that, but he keeps... Asked him multiple times to not say, show me the show me the meat, please. Uh, it just, it, it has lawsuit all over it. You just yeah. don't risk it. So, Rutledge, could you please stop? Do no. not risk it for the brisket. Do not risk it for the brisket. I might order barbecue now. I know. No, I really want barbecue. So, before we jump into our story here, let's do a little recap of what happened last episode. After strange phenomenon occurring around the plantation community of New Nazareth, the local sheriff contacted a mysterious arcane organization by the name of Keller House for assistance. The Keller House dispatched their own investigators, a spirit medium and a hoodoo practitioner, to look into these mysterious circumstances and to find a missing Keller House operative by the name of Bartholomew Hughes. We left off with our trio discovering the body of a woman who was attacked by a wild animal that defied typical physical description. And now... We're going to have some flavor text that helps flesh out the world, gives you some backstory to different things. In the year 1695, wealthy fur trader Egon Keller celebrated his marriage to Marjorie Greenheart, but their wedding was immediately met with controversy. Marjorie matched the description of a woman who was supposedly killed during the Salem witch trials three years prior. Rumors of Keller and Marjorie consorting with the devil spread amongst Keller's peers, and, for a time, it became hard for Keller to find merchants to trade his furs with. This eventually came to a head a year later, when several fur hunters disappeared in the wilderness to the west of the 13 colonies. But none of these fur hunters were employed by Eon Keller. The possibilities of what caused these disappearances ranged from spirits to wild animals, mundane to magical. As other fur traders faced potential bankruptcy and the responsibility for the deaths of others, they came to Egon Keller and Marjorie for their secrets. Deep within the basement below Keller's mansion in Philadelphia, these God-fearing fur traders observed as Marjorie performed a ritual that called upon the vengeful creature that had killed hundreds of fur hunters and devoured their bodies, leaving no traces behind. They watched in disbelief as a worm covered in bony protrusions apparated before them, and Marjorie cut a silver dagger into the worm's belly, cutting out its still-beating heart. If they wanted to protect their livelihood and the lives of others, they would have to take a bite from the viscous slime-covered heart and swallow it, devour the creature that had devoured so many others. Some stormed out immediately, others openly refused when offered the heart. Those who did devour saw immediate results. Their business returned to normal and the deaths ceased. Those who refused saw the attacks increase, putting them even further upon the precipice of losing everything they'd ever had. The fur traders went back to Keller and Marjorie once again, begging for their assistance. This time, Keller was not as receptive. If they expected Marjorie's help, they would surrender 15% of their profits for the next 25 years. And so the Keller house was born around a simple objective, magical intervention for a price. 
So we are going to restart. We're going to go back into our story here, leaving behind Los Angeles. And you are in the rolling green hills of Kentucky, a misty rain coming down upon you, leaving a haze everywhere you look. So you have to move close to anything before you can actually tell what it is. And the rolling hills themselves are covered in this haze, so they're almost formless. And you can't recognize their size. Um, You have discovered the body of this young woman who was attacked by a creature that Charles uh, theorized was some sort of chimera. A couple of other things that you wanted to look into that you guys had mentioned last time, and I'll just repeat. Uh, You did want to get to the hotel that Bartholomew Hughes had been staying at so you could inspect his items. You also wanted to speak to some of the locals to figure out if and where local fauna and wildlife had been affected by magical properties, you know, were growing in unusual ways. So you do have a couple of avenues that you do, you could possibly follow right now. Are we jumping right in, like from where we left off, from the introduction? Yes, we, we left off with, Charles had just said, we're the Keller house in response to who the hell are you people? Yeah, I was just going to ask if, um, you said it was like two in the morning. It's it's probably about two in the morning, yeah. It's the middle of the night. Well, then I figure uh, we may need to take this body somewhere, first of all, <laughs> uh, because we probably shouldn't leave it. Sheriff, I don't know what if you have a morgue or what uh, your county facilities are like, but most likely we shouldn't leave this body here. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I do want to make um, a little bit of a perimeter check sort of as we're uh you know loading the the body to take it to wherever it is i want to do a little check of the surrounding areas to see if there's anything that is like super um obvious to me like Like tracks tracks or or or, or, you know broken like foliage or or anything out of the ordinary uh, I guess myself and the sheriff will start loading this body somehow. <laughs> I do. Uh, I'll say I have a stretcher in my cart. I probably love, you know, animals and things by myself. So. Thank you. Okay. So for a perimeter check, we're going to use, let's use practice, which you have a five in. Mm-hmm. And a nature, which you have a four in. So you have 90 12s to roll. Your target number is nine. If you get nine, you get three successes. If you roll an odd, you get one success. Uh, I got 11, 6, 3, 12. 7, 12, 5, 8, and another 7. Okay, so you receive five successes. Um, on observing the surroundings, it's a little hard to tell because it has been kind of this hazy, pissing rain over the past several hours. A lot of the tracks have either been just swallowed up by the mud or washed away. Um, you do find some brush that has been broken, and there is dark uh, fur kind of stuck in the thorns, which sort of matches the description of the fur color that Charles gave you of whatever this creature was. 
it doesn't match like the light brown fur color of a, a bobcat or a cougar or anything like that. It's darker, like a chocolate color, dark chocolate color almost. Okay, so I'm going to take out a little glass, like a small glass vial that I have. I'm assuming on my many things on my hips and pop that in there and sort of tuck it away. And you guys successfully load the body, probably wrap it up in a little bit of burlap and load it up into... Is there viscera spread? Like, does it look like there was like, or it's just the single sap? There were a couple of claw marks like on her torso, but none of them were very deep. The biggest wound was on her neck where a, a portion had been ripped open. There was probably blood on the roadway at one point, but it's but the rain. steeped yeah. into the mud at this yeah. point. Uh, question. This is a weird thing to ask. Did Was the ripped off chunk still there or was it gone? Like like, did it, was it eaten? No, it did not eat it. Okay. You actually remember in your little vision that it had actually spat out the piece that it had. So it was, it was an assassination, pretty fun. After loading up the body uh, and observing the roadway, was there any other questions or follow-up you guys wanted to do in this little area before you moved on? I'm trying to make our way swiftly away. <laughs> I know it's not, like, written down in any of the things that I have here, but is there any way that I could maybe do, like, a bit of a protection spell on that area so that it doesn't get tampered with? You could do that. Um, So this is actually a good point to bring up. You can do most things that you want to do through magic, provided you have the time and materials in order to accomplish them. Okay. What you're asking would take several hours in okay. order to complete. Okay. It, if you wanted to do that, you could though. I think there's already enough washed away, I guess, with the rain too. That yeah, you you can kind of tell that because of the rain and this is a roadway so horses and wagons move yeah. over it all the time whatever extra evidence that might have been there is probably gone at this point Charles is just like I need to, I need to lay down yeah, we're in the country I don't understand this I'm used to okay. the big buildings so you continue on for a couple more miles it doesn't take too long by horse but eventually kind of the forest way falls and you enter miles upon miles of tobacco farmland since it is late fall there's no crop currently growing but you can tell that just the way it's flat and empty with roadways kind of spread out that it is farmland and in the distance you see a small community of buildings three roads heading east to west and three roads heading north to south and this is the community of new nazareth as the sheriff knows it kind of this seemingly quiet secluded community built around the new nazareth plantation run by the martells as you actually enter the town it does take you a while to start to see what buildings are there just because of the haze hanging in the air but you ride past and you see several houses you also see like they have their own barber and tailor and doctor and whatnot as you're riding along through the haze the streets are very empty it's very quiet and but you 
get the feeling that somebody is out there in the haze around you. Some people are moving around or something. And as you're walking along these dirt roadways that should be normally, you know, just like mucked up from wagon wheels and, and horse hooves and stuff like that, have actually been like meticulously raked back so that in the morning, once the rain stops and the sun hits it, it will be back to a nice flat roadway. As you move uh, from west to east in the direction of the hotel, you pass by a large brick building, and it's the only building with a cobblestone street in front of it. And you know that this is the kiln where they dry out all the tobacco leaves that they have. And the reason it has a cobblestone road in front of it is because they have a lot of heavy wagons that are loaded up with materials that would sink into the mud otherwise. So that's why it's the only one that's been paved with cobblestones. As I was saying, the Community Hotel, this building used to be the original manor house for Nazareth Plantation before the new manor house was built. That said, the new manor was built nearly 60 years ago at this point. So this building has been around for a long time. It has gone through major changes and redesigns over the years. Even as you approach, you can see that some windows are just looking in at walls. But it's a very classical southern plantation style of, you know, very high roof, about three stories. The pillars run all the way up. The big windows with the black shutters on them. As they made changes throughout the years, some of the windows have actually been covered up by like walls going in to create hotel rooms and stuff like that. Once you enter inside, you can actually see that new stairways have been built inside and almost like the Winchester house, they seem to go nowhere. And you look down a hallway that probably used to lead to a servant's quarters and it just leads to a blank brick wall. As you enter into this large foyer with a very ornate cathedral seed ceiling and a chandelier hanging up above you. A very ornate uh, mahogany desk has also been erected in this middle of this foyer. And it doesn't seem organic to the structure with all this marble floor and the ornate ceiling to have this weird desk just kind of sitting in the middle of the room. And there is a bell seated upon this desk. I'm going to ring it. <laughs> So you ring the bell and you hear a noise upstairs and eventually a young woman who seems to be in her petticoats but has her robe covering herself steps down. She is a younger woman. She's pulled her hair back into a tight braid while she sleeps. And uh, Sheriff, you know that this woman's name is Elizabeth Danton and you know from previous experience that she is not from New Nazareth. She is actually from Chicago. Elizabeth. Hello. Evening. Oh, Sheriff, how can I help you? Well, uh, I have two guests here, and uh, we've come to do a little bit of inspecting here. Inspecting? Is something wrong, Sheriff? We don't know yet. Uh, I don't want to alarm anyone, but uh, if you can keep it on the down low, I think think there might be some strange things happening afoot. I don't want anyone else to know, so just keep it between us. And... Uh, who are your uh, associates? Well, they are from out of town. I take my hat off. I do a little curtsy. <laughs> and she kind of gives the two of them a long look over. They're helping me with uh, figuring out what's uh, what's going on in this town. I mean, you know, New Nazareth Sheriff, it's quiet. It's pleasant. I don't 
know exactly what you're referring to. Well, that's for the best then. We also might need some rooms if that's all right. Oh, uh, of course. Let me. And uh, she pulls out little slips of paper for you to fill out your names and all that. And she goes into a lockbox to retrieve some keys for the rooms. You do me a favor and just, uh, if anyone comes asking, just give them a different name. I don't really want anyone knowing we're staying here for the evening. Okay. Uh, can you roll? Let's say hmm, you don't necessarily have a skill associated with that. Are you trying to just use your charm? Let's do charm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's do a little bit of charm in there. Oh, yeah. So we're j- since you don't have a skill in it, we're just going to use your sharp quality. So you're going to roll four D12s for me. Uh, you're going to roll it four times since your sharp is four and you're aiming to get a four. If you get a even, you still get one success. Okay, I got nine, 12, one, and 10. So you got two successes. Since this is a contested roll, she's going to roll a relevance. <laughs> and if she gets more successes than you, this is a good time to explain how the... Um, mechanics for social skills work so at the bottom of your character sheets you will notice that there are levels of social with a negative number associated with that whenever you're in a social interaction trying to charm someone or intimidate them every time you fail you will move down that chart and you subtract that number of successes from whatever success role you do beyond that. If you get to the out on social during a social interaction, that means that person is just shut down. They will no longer talk to you. <laughs> just like real life. <laughs> You've disabled like, the NPC. <laughs> well, you like push them too far, you know, and they don't they're not gonna listen like you could still talk to them, but they're definitely not gonna do whatever you want them. They're standing there like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you guys hear anything? (laughs) (laughs) But you will find that most uh, humans uh, do not have a whole lot of skills in the same way that heroes do. So they typically roll fewer dice. For instance, she only rolled three D12s and I got even numbers on all of them. So she got zero. I I understand, Sheriff. She puts two keys out on the desk, uh, and then are you going to be staying with us a while, Sheriff? Probably a couple of days. She pulls out a third key. She guides you upstairs to the rooms. Uh, Is there anything, like, is there any, like, art or anything that's in this? Yeah, what do we see in this hotel? Yeah. Is it heads? Uh, In your room? In your rooms or out in the hallways? I'm more curious about on our, like in the public areas. Yeah. The public areas um, don't have much artwork on the wall. There are a couple of uh, statues that are actually like built into some stone pillars. If you know the Pieta statue, which is Jesus draped across Mary's lap, it's kind of a facade of that. And you actually see that particular statue repeated multiple times when you get upstairs to your rooms each room that you come to is quite spare it's one single bed with a trunk at the foot of it for you to keep your things in there's a small side table with a little basin and a bedpan essentially and hanging on one wall of each room is a framed tapestry that has quite a bit of sun damage and just time has kind of ruined it so you can't quite tell what 
is on the tapestry anymore, but you see that there are darker shades of lines that you can't quite tell what it is. And uh, Miss Danton, she looks at all of you for a minute. She says, was there anything else I could help you with this evening? I think we'll call it for the night, but we'll have more questions for you later. Uh, thank you very much, Sheriff. Uh, uh, if you need me, I'll be in my room and she excuses herself and disappears down the hall. I guess we'll just go to our separate rooms. Is there anything you guys need? No. Uh, when shall we meet in the morning? 7 a.m. I shall see you in a few hours. Good evening. All right. So you all go to sleep. Earl, I'm going to have you roll something for me. I want you to roll Insight plus Scry. Okay. Which is going to be 7. So you're aiming to get a 7 on your 7d12s. Okay. 9, 5, 1, 7, 12, 1. How many was that? Is that it? Or 12? That was, that was 8. Right? I think that was 7, but you got 7 successes. So as you are drifting off to sleep, do you think that Charles dreams a lot, or does he not? I think he... Dream, dream, dreams is probably a thing that he does. Okay. So you are not surprised as you drift off into dreamland, as you start to see images flash before your eyes and you are no longer in Kentucky. And normally you, if you're having a dream, you might dream about your local surroundings or something like that, or you might dream of being back home in Korea. Instead, you are standing in a a long room with many small beds for children. And there are sheets hung from the ceiling to kind of come around each bed for a little bit of protection and whatnot and privacy. Each bed has a little trunk at the foot. of. As you're standing there looking around at this empty room, you see a group of people walk past and there is a woman leading the way, but she is not a nurse. She appears to be a nun. Uh. And you walk to the doorway to kind of look after the people, watch them disappear around the corner. You look the other way and you see a little girl with a tight braid on the back of her hair. She is staring up into the corner of the ceiling, but you cannot see from where you're standing what is up in that corner. It's hidden by an archway. Is she fro- like is she- She's not moving? The child is frozen in what appears to be fear. You can literally see that she has her like fists balled up and shaking. Oh, okay. Yeah, in this moment, you feel that you have control to either walk over to her or not. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll walk over to her. Okay, so you walk over to the little girl who is staring up into this corner of the ceiling, and as you move past the archway that was blocking your vision, and you follow her eye line up to that corner, you see. A figure crouched up into the corner of the ceiling appears to be a human woman with desiccated skin. Her skin pulled back from her eyes, so her eyes are just wide. And her lips are pulled back, so her teeth are bared at this child. And she is wearing tattered clothes that are flowing in a breeze that does not exist. But as you're staring, it appears that this woman is wearing a nun's habit. And she's just staring down at this child. Oh, God. Can I get to eye level of the girl and, like, like can I get essentially beside her and, like, down and, and sort of stare at the thing with her? Yeah. Do you say anything? 
to the child or anything. I'm just going to say, I see it too. You're going to have to run. And the little girl, she like opens her fist for just a second and she like grabs on to just a couple of fingers on your hand as you uh-huh. kneel next to her. And then she takes off running. And as the footsteps disappear down the hallway, they turn into the pattering of hooves as you awaken in the morning at 7 a.m. as expected. Okay. Um, I uh, immediately sort of pull out a notebook that I have and essentially just jot everything that just happened down really quickly. If you wanted a few more details of what the person looks like and stuff, Mm -hmm. I would just ask that you roll a scry again for me. I'll I'll roll for a scry again because I just wanted to get some more details. How many is that? Three? Uh, Your scry uh, was seven with uh, insight. Oh, with insight. Yes. Great. Okay. Nine... 10, 1, 8, 5, 7, 5, 1, 9, 7. Okay, so you got a lot. You did get the feeling from looking around the building that you were in. It did not have electric lights and the gas lanterns that you saw were not connected to pipes which sort of suggests to you that what you were seeing might have been taking place in the past yeah the girl young caucasian at that time she was probably about eight years old um dark brown hair and uh blue eyes of the freaky deaky lady in the corner um (laughs) was it just a regular nun habit like tattered was it a specific color or style? Like, was it like a flying nuns? Was it one of those like regular ha- tight habits? Were they? It was. Of- it was a regular habit. Did it seem similar to the habit of the nun that was leading the children? The nun who was leading the children had the full-on like wings and everything. She was like and under the neck. But sh- this nun that you saw hanging out in the corner, she only had the halo around the top. Court- sort of suggesting to you, you might not know a lot about Catholicism, but that, that maybe she hasn't taken, that the nun you saw hadn't taken her full rights in order to be a nun. She was probably lower on the, yeah, total, lower on the totem pole. Inside the building, um, were there any noticeable architectural things like other than obviously like the sheets separating each of the beds crucifixes or uh i mean i'm assuming there were bunches i my my assumption is that it's an orphanage of some sort yes it appeared to be an orphanage out the window you could see a landscape but i would argue that charles doesn't actually know where it was yeah i i probably have no idea okay did i hear was there any sound happening like was the nun talking to the children or was everything silent was there music it was silent up until the moment you spoke to the child okay in a room just down the hallway um Maeve awakens and looks out and she finally gets to see what the city of new nazareth looks like and you see the roads running east to west, and then there's a road right in front of the hotel running north to south, and then further down, there's another one running north to south. And then the last one running north to south is in front of the kiln. 
in the middle of this, these squares is a large cemetery, which you can see has been grown over with moss and vines. And seated on opposite sides of the cemetery, east and west, are two churches. One is kind of a classical whitewashed church with a little bell tower at the top. And the other is more of a stone utilitarian looking building further east across from the church on that side there is a little square kind of looks like a park which has a fountain actually spraying out and even from here you can tell that that park and the stone has been immaculately kept and then to the west on the other side of the other church there is a uh, a plaza in which there are several statues seated out there. Otherwise, it's mostly just buildings, but those are like the big landmarks that are unusual to you at, upon looking out the window. Is there anything that like really, really stands out to me about either of those like big landmarks, like anything that's like really out of the ordinary? Um, Aside from the meticulousness of the, of the park. You said the roads were meticulously like taken care of too right yes you sort of get the impression now that there might be some crew that's working overnight to like keep the city clean the roadways also don't have like any horse manure on them yeah so somebody is cleaning up night after night and you can see it's hard to tell exactly what the statues are but those are also really nicely kept. It's just weird that the cemetery in the middle has been grown over with moss and vines while everything surrounding those areas are so meticulously kept. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, I want to go down out of my room and maybe survey the grounds while we're all waiting to meet up. Just the, the, just the hotel area. Okay. The outside. So you walk around the outside of the manor and based on what you saw last night as you were walking around inside you expect it to be of a building that's not very deep meaning that you know you just have a few rooms on each level but you find that the building is actually quite deep and there used to be servants quarters at the back and you can see that they are made out of stone that still have scorch marks from when the building was ransacked back during the civil war it seems they've closed off the entrance to those servants' quarters at some point in the past during their update of turning this manor house into a hotel. Because it's an old manor house. Like, are there, like, portraits of the family or... It actually seems kind of weird, but, yeah, it seems that any artwork that could have been taken out has been to probably either been put in the new house that they erected or was ransacked when this house okay. had been ransacked. Before I go back in, I'm just going to take my little spade and dig a little hole in the dirt and place my little offering to the ancestors of the land and just do okay. that so that I can get on a a good, like, plane with everyone and make sure I'm not anyone off too much. So we're going to roll uh, real quick. Let's go with empathetic and ritualism, mm-hmm. which your empathetic is five and ritualism is three. So you'll have eight D12s to roll. If you match eight, you get three successes. If you match as in terms of even, you get one. 11, 5, 10, 12. 
One, one, six, twelve. Okay. So you got four successes. As you are placing the offering onto the earth, you get a sense that um, the earth is not as giving as it should be. You're not Mm -hmm. feeling an energy put back to you in like a pleasant way. Mm -hmm. It's not giving back a negative energy per se. It's just something about this place might be a little sour in terms of that kind of offering, perhaps. And you return inside. Yeah. As uh, the sheriff, Sheriff Colmer and Charles come down the stairs, having cleaned and redressed themselves. Morning. Morning, Sheriff. Uh, is there anywhere I could get some hot water? You know, we'll uh, have mainly to- for tea. Tea. You drink tea in the morning? Yes. Don't you? <laughs> we both just stare at the sheriff like. I'm yes. constantly drinking a tea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll have to talk to Elizabeth about that one. Uh, right. I'm not too sure. Uh, sheriff, I have a question for you. You wouldn't happen to know who uh, who uh, maintains the upkeep on this town, do you? I've noticed that it's it's pretty pretty meticulously kept and groomed. I, I also noticed it's quite well manicured. Well, the people that own the town are usually the ones that take care of everything. They're pretty well off. Wait, someone, I'm sorry. Someone owns this town. Well, like, sure. The leader, like, uh, I mean, I understand in, in American cities, you you have a mayor. Just so Paul knows, so he can answer the question correctly, this town is not incorporated, so it technically does not have a mayor. As far as you know, it's run by the Martell family because okay. they own the, the plantation. The ones we want to talk to. Yeah. They okay. own and run everything. We're going to talk to the Martells. Well, I, I'd love to talk to the Martells, but I'm also, I mean, I'm sure the Martells aren't getting their hands dirty. I want to talk to those who are actually doing the cleaning. Now that I understand that this dwelling area is more of a business that is owned, that changes things. Well, I still think we should talk to the Martells to find out who is physically cleaning the place up. But uh, Yeah, it's a good place to start. Um, do we ring the bell? So you ring the bell and Elizabeth reappears coming down the stairs now fully dressed. Um, still kind of buttoned up with tight hair. Oh, uh, hello. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, my colleagues and I were wondering if we were able to get a kettle of uh, hot water or some tea. Oh, uh, we don't really serve food here, but you can head across the street to the cafeteria. Oh, there's a cafeteria. Yes, they, they serve a lot of the field hands, but you can also get breakfast or lunch there as well. Just for a few coins. Uh, Krista, I'm going to ask you to roll something here real quick. Okay. It's going to be empathetic. Plus, let's just have it your empathetic roll. So roll 5d12s. Two, one, eight, seven, nine. Okay. So you got four. You can tell that the win. Elizabeth talks to Charles. She seems quite uncomfortable, but you're not exactly sure what the reason for it is for. I'm just going to keep observing. 
So she kind of points to the window and you can see across the street to the east side that there is a uh, a long uh, wooden building that people are moving in and out of and it has a nice big stove at the back where smoke is coming out and you can actually kind of smell like griddle cakes and bacon and whatnot. It appears that, yes, they serve food to all the field hands. So you exit and you start walking across the street. As you're walking across the street, you come closer to that plaza full of statues that uh, Maeve saw earlier looking out the window. And as you come closer, you see that all the statues are not exactly the same, but they're all some version of the Pieta. There's about 30 to 40 statues of varying sizes, all of Jesus draped across Mary's lap after being killed upon the cross. That's weird. Sheriff, I don't mean to assume, but you are of the Christian faith. I'd say I was. Um, can't say I'm going for that religious mumbo jumbo. I, I see, I see. Uh, can you answer me? This image is of the Christ figure being held by their mother. Yes? Mary mother, yes. Why are there so many of them? I think it makes people feel better about themselves. Like they're they're being watched and they're being good while they're being watched. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. As long as they're being watched, they're being good people. Are there any like super distinct differences between each like like what what are the differences between the statues? Yeah, are they is it just size? Like, is it like- so some of it is the material that was worked with in terms of the type of stone like limestone marble or whatever some of it is size some of it you can tell have been made by different artists just based on like the artistic style some are very realistic while some are more impressionistic kind of jesus is almost like disappearing into mary's lap as the lines flow into each other so it's not that one person has just been commissioned to make all these statues. They have commissioned multiple artists. They are all very well kept. Um, some of them, like the mar- one of the marble ones, you can tell has been sitting out for quite a while because the marble is sun bleached. And it is meant to just be like a sculpture garden. Yes, it is a sculpture garden. Bird's eye view, like on a map, is this like somewhere near the center? It is just off the center. The cemetery is the center. Oh, the cemetery you'd have to walk like a block down in order to get into it is behind uh not a wall but a, a fence okay okay after leaving the hotel and observing the statue garden for a while you make your way over to the cafeteria so the cafeteria this building is a long space with a big kitchen at the back of the room there are many tables made from whole beams that weigh several hundreds of pounds this building serves the field workers and occasionally makes big meals for the members of the public during major holidays or community events. Also, many wedding- weddings have had their dinners here, and the lucky couples have carved their names into the tabletops to the point that all the tables are covered in these carvings. You see a lot of the classic like heart with name at the top and name at the bottom mr and mrs you know jim smith or whatever the room has uh several big windows along it so it's quite bright especially in the morning light and there is a line of people up to the counter where people are serving up eggs and bacon and whatever and griddle cakes you do notice that at the back of the room in the kitchen, the kitchen is not exclusively staffed by women. It is also staffed by men as well, but they're all 
of young age, uh, 25 and below. So 16 to 25. They all seem to be the youngest of the community who should have a job. Is everyone white? No, you actually do see some African-Americans. It's made up of all the field workers. So white and black alike would be served here. Uh, as long as they're presumably faithful to the plantation, they can be served. Do, do I know this place? Have I been here? You have probably eaten here once. Yeah, you know that you get in line, you go through the line, you kind of get your stuff on your plate. And if you're not from New Nazareth, you're supposed to put some coins in a jar, uh, coffee can at the end. And you do know that they all know each other. So if you don't put a few coins in there, they might not... F- get upset or fight you but they will get upset they'll they'll judge you i'm gonna give them a couple of coins then so you collect your breakfast whatever you would like to eat it's very you know american meat eaters kind of breakfast you know bacon eggs griddle cakes biscuits and gravy i'm grabbing a few extra biscuits to wrap up in a napkin and put around my waist <laughs> so you find yourself seated at one of these large tables like every table the benches are taken up so you kind of have to squeeze yourself in between just like local farm hands and stuff like that oh good day <laughs> good morning and uh one of the farm hands who's a very large african-american man about six three uh not heavy set but stocky he sits across from you and he's like so what y'all doing at new nazareth then well, uh, just so happens we're just coming through town for a couple of days. Oh, is that so? You're the sheriff, aren't you, Sheriff uh, Coleman? That's right. My name is Matthew. Well, actually, Matthew, maybe maybe you could help us at all. Um, I just I just noticed from my room that everything's so nice and meticulous, but that cemetery in the middle doesn't look like it's gotten as much love and care as the rest of the town. Do you? Do you know what's up about that? Uh, Krista, we're going to have you roll something here to persuade him. Let's say empathetic. And are you putting on a little bit of her performance with this? <laughs> if you wanted to throw that on you? Sure. I'll lay it on thick. Oh, you're aiming for six. Or if you get it even, you get one. Uh, six. Eleven. Six. Eight four one. Matthew kind of takes a moment to uh, look around the people seated next to him, and they all kind of take a quick look at him, but then go back to their meals real quickly. Yeah, we uh, we have ourselves a local uh, groundskeeping crew, you might say. They keep trying to uh, clean up the uh, cemetery, but those vines and moss keep growing back faster than they can cut it back. Hey. Oh, I have heard about the. Uh kudzu vine in the south uh, eastern area, but I didn't know it, it extended all the way up here. No, it, it's, it ain't that kind of vine. It's some other... I don't, I don't know my plants too well, besides tobacco, but whatever it is is uh, unusual and grows fast. Ah. Very interesting. Well, thank you for your knowledge. Um, the tobacco that's grown here... Yes. Uh, might we be able to try try some? Uh, do you do you sell it? I mean, I, I, that seems like a silly question, but well, we're not selling to anybody really recently, so I suppose a little 
little couldn't hurt you. So he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out a little tin that probably used to keep like mints or something like that. But he opens it up and you see this dark Maduro tobacco almost has a black color to it. And that's because they cure it over an open flame. So as the tobacco leaf is dried out, it gets very dark. It's kind of roughly chopped the tobacco. And he's like, well, you could either use that as chew or you can, you know, roll yourself a cigar. Not really meant for cigarettes, but whatever you want to do with it. I don't really recommend snuffing it, but you know. Uh, I just take a little pinch if you don't mind. I, I just like take it from him and put it in with the other jar. Okay. Thank you. Evidence jar. So you finished breakfast. Uh, were you guys planning on going to meet the Martells next? or I was going to hope to go to the cemetery first. Yeah, what, what is the like layout of the town? Would we be passing by the cemetery to get to the Martells, or is it the opposite direction? So you would pass by the cemetery in order to get the to the Martell's Manor House. Uh, the Manor House is actually about a mile outside of town. When they built the new version, they kind of separated it from the community a little bit. Uh, I was going to ask our, our friend, are there any maps of the local uh, area? I have trouble visualizing things sometimes. Uh, so I was just hoping if we could get a lay of the land. Oh, sure. You could go to the dry goods store and they probably would sell you a map there. Thank you very much. The dry goods store is a shop where local members of the community can buy their supplies. They cannot be grown and sourced in the local region, including a lot of grains, tools, and dried foods. The shop also offers a catalog, allowing the community to order supplies that can be shipped in. While being stuffed with a large amount of supplies, the building that you arrive at is nothing too spectacular or large. The fellow you see as you enter... The store is a man with a darker colored skin, not Hispanic. He appears to be Italian, maybe Sicilian even. He's got a very nice, gorgeous mustache and long hair that he's kind of greased back over his head with bear grease. So it's just like glued to his scalp. But he's also very nicely, impeccably dressed. As you enter the building, you don't even need to roll for this. You can definitely tell that he gives Charles quite a look. Of, like, disdain. (laughs) Hello. Morning. How can I help y'all? Oh, we were wondering if we could maybe purchase a map and if you have any um, dried tobacco leaves that I could purchase. He, like, stares at Charles again for a second. He's like, yes, ma'am. Let me look around for that. And he digs around and he finds you some tobacco and a map of the local area. Because I apparently learned that they use tobacco leaves for cleansing, much like they do sage. Mm-hmm. So. so as he's like bringing these things up for you and getting ready to pay, he's like, are you friends with that uh, other fellow by the name of Hughes? And he yes. kind of points down at your dress that has the uh, Keller House logo sewn into it. Well, yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. Kind of figured it's quite an unusual symbol to have on your clothing. He had it on his... Uh, little handkerchief that he kept in his pocket. He was a colleague of ours. Did you ever speak to him? Yeah, he came in here a couple of times, ordering supplies and stuff like that. Mostly he was after uh, maps, much like yourself. Also ordered a, a big roll of butcher block paper. Don't know what that was about. When was the last time you saw him? 
about five weeks ago, give or take. He was quite an unusual fellow. Can't rarely forget him. Uh, and you said the last unusual thing he bought was a roll of butcher paper? Yeah, a whole roll of butcher block paper, you know, about three feet long. Rolled out. It's probably about 30, 40 feet. Why don't you throw one of those in there just in case, too? Uh, I'll have to order that, ma'am. But uh, I, I can certainly do that. Where should I have it sent once it arrives? You can have it sent to the hotel. Okay, sounds good. Oh, uh, do you have possibly uh, dried nuts or berries? I don't have any like exotic nuts like Brazil nuts or nothing oh, no, I like mean, that. Just a standard walnut, pecan, whatever's local. Any points over to the corner where there are some mason jars. He could have easily just walked over there and grabbed a jar and brought it down for you, but he points over to the corner where there are mason jars filled with dried fruits and nuts. Okay, um, I'll just grab a thing of dried walnuts and then just like a grab, like dried cranberry or a, whatever dried berry there is. Yeah, it would probably be like a dried blueberry yeah. in this area. Yeah, I think. that's fine. And while we're purchasing things, is there anything about the shop that sort of stands out to us like any symbols or flags color schemes weird architecture can you i need you to roll something there is actually an answer to this uh can you roll empathetic and divination so eight okay eight two eleven one Nine, seven, eight, four. Okay, so you got eight successes. So you don't see any strange symbols or anything like that, but you get, you feel a presence in the building that cannot be seen. Actually, it's not just one presence. It appears to be multiple presences, and they are somewhere beneath your feet. And can I tell if whatever that presence is, is like angry or in distress? You can tell that they appear to be in distress. Um, and can, is there anything that I noticed, like in terms of an access point to a basement area? Like, is there like a door behind him that leads down to a cellar? Or when there we were outside, did you notice? Huh? Uh, you didn't notice from the outside. There is a door behind his counter, but you can't see where it leads. He was actually pretty careful to like close that door behind himself when you guys came in. Well, I think I'm done here. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. we're done. We'll pay for our things and uh, be on our way. All right. You all have a good time, why don't you? Say so you exit back outside and you were going to the cemetery next? Yeah. Yes. So the cemetery, which is surrounded by a stone fence, not super high. It's only about four feet, but it is one of the oldest pieces of infrastructure in New Nazareth. It is not unusual to see headstones from as far back as the early 1800s and an ever-present moss and vines even during the coldest months of the year cover a vast majority of the cemetery and headstones. Most of the headstones that you see are quite utilitarian, just the classic, you know, uh, shape of a headstone. There are some that are quite larger, including like statuary. It takes a while because you have to kind of like scrape a little bit of moss off of them, but you can see any with the larger headstones all have the last name Martel. Size-wise, are we looking at this... It's about 80 feet across and 
down from end to end about 300 feet. It's quite large. Okay, so it's like a few a few blocks. Like it's yeah. not it's not just the, like one little square. Yeah, the center block of town is the longest and the cemetery runs the whole length of that block. And does there seem to be any sort of point of origin or hot spot for these plants to be growing out of? Or is it sort of like an even covering of growth throughout, if that makes sense? Can you roll a practiced plus nature for me? So that's going to be... Uh, five plus four, so nine d12. And you're aiming to get 11, 7, 5, 7, 2, 1, 5, 4, 5. Okay, so you got seven successes. Um, so it takes a while for you to kind of figure out the layout you know you kind of have to walk the perimeter of the cemetery a couple of times and sort of work your way in but you start to realize that the moss sort of is growing in a spiral pattern almost starting with the middle of the cemetery as the epicenter and then as it goes out it kind of spirals in terms of its growth so there'll be like a little strip where the moss and vines are not growing but then it'll catch back up with itself as it spirals outward. So the literal center of the cemetery appears to be the center of this growth. Um, okay. Also from that role, you know that rampant growth is not unusual around cemeteries. Just to like kind of explain how magic works in this world. Magic is a little bit like a radiation or something like that. Like a big event like, you know, someone dying or being killed releases this energy out into this world that can mutate certain things like local plants, which, which are usually the most receptive to that kind of energy. And then over time, the energy half-life just dissipates to the point where it's just in the background. It's not affecting wildlife much anymore. If the growth that they're talking about is so constant year-round and stuff like that, it means that that initial amount of energy that was released here was either very large or it's being constantly fed by some new source of energy. Can I go to that center part and like take a look at the moss? So the moss on the outsides of the spiral is pretty brightly colored green and then it gets darker as you come into the middle and the moss in the middle of the cemetery is kind of rust uh, like dried blood color at the middle the vines are sort of the same color throughout but you notice that the actual stem part of the vine is quite thick which is fairly and not like unusual but it's a little bit unusual that it's that same thickness throughout in the center, the darkly colored moss and the vines kind of twist together, almost creating this tree trunk of growth as the vines and moss are grown over each other. But considering how long the vines are, you have no idea how long the roots might be. Um, I'm going to collect some samples of that. So of specifically one of the moss at the epicenter. And then um, I'm going to take... A small hatchet that's probably also on my waist because it got a lot there, and and sort of hack off a chunk of of that like 
thicker, not the twisted vine, but like one of the longer, like thicker ones that are coming out from the center. So as you hack into this vine, uh, some sap starts to seep out of it, but the sap is quite thin. It runs like water or like blood and it's very darkly colored sap, but not like an amber color. It's like a dark green color. Okay. Which is also unusual for this kind of growth that you might see. Cool. So I'm going to put those in my little vials. Is that, was there anything else you guys would like to inspect in the cemetery before you leave? What's the bird activity like in general since we've come into New Nazareth? Like, can we he- can I can we hear animals? Like, is, are animals around? Are there dogs? There are horses and dogs because those would be pretty prevalent. But in terms of bird and like natural wildlife, you actually haven't seen that many. And when you take a look up, there are like crows, but they're way up above you. I'm gonna take out just some of the berries. Um, and the and the nuts. I'm just gonna leave a little pile. I'll leave a couple like in the cemetery, but I'll also leave like a little bit outside. I'm mainly just trying to get some magpies to come down. So you see that the crows do not approach the cemetery, okay. and you kind of get the feeling. I'm not even gonna make you roll for it that you might have to get further away from the cemetery. In order. Yeah, I'm just sort of assuming that like the cemetery has a very clear sort of energetic radiation that it's giving off. Yes, there's definitely, I mean, all cemeteries give off a presence of death. Um, I would say you would probably need to perform a ritual in order to kind of start to discern what that Mm -hmm. energy is aside from just death. Mm -hmm. Like what is causing anything of any sort. I think I want to talk to the two the Martells first before yeah. we start on that endeavor. Yeah. Okay. Right now it's all pretty much we're just Flexing. we're just weird weirdos who are observing. I ain't gonna flex some powers just yet. Like I'll gather up all the pot the piles that I made like in the cemetery, but I'll sort of put one outside a little bit away from the from the cemetery threshold. Uh and just leave leave them there and then be like, yeah, I think I'm I'm ready. The sheriff takes you out of the cemetery and he guides you east towards the manor house and you see a nice road laid before you with willow trees gone up alongside of it kind of weeping down over the roadway casting these nice long shadows the sunlight illuminating the green leaves giving it a nice haze sheriff you know that this has been one of the nicest days in the past week or so it's been rainy most of the time as you approach the house you see that it is quite similar to the house that you had seen in town you know classic southern plantation manor house This one is much larger and wider, though. This one has also been much better taken care of in terms of maintaining its whitewash. And the shutters are very nicely clean. The windows are gleaming in the sunlight, having been washed recently. And as you approach the house, you see uh, several people seated out along the patio right in front of the circle driveway kind of area where carriages can pull up. They are all younger men probably in their 30s and they are talking specifically with one person a man in a very nice kind of classical suit he's a very handsome young man with a nicely kept beard and hair all his hair and beard are black 
you, Sheriff, recognize this gentleman as Washington Martell. He is the eldest son of the Martell family, and he's basically in charge of the security forces around this area. And he's just kind of quietly talking with his friends, assumingly, packing a pipe full of tobacco. I want to walk up to him with my hands high. Washington Martell. He tucks the pipe into his mouth, stands up, and walks over to, to in your direction, kind of stepping off the patio, his boots crunching on the gravel driveway with uh, Charles and Maeve standing, you know, a few feet behind you. Well, well, well. Welcome, Sheriff. You can go ahead and put your hands down. I want to assume that you'll be reaching for your six-gun anytime soon. Well, I didn't want to assume that you were going to assume. So how can I help you, Sheriff? We had some questions for you. What kind of questions did you have? I did not know that there was an open investigation in New Nazareth at this time. I found a body yesterday. It was torn and mangled. Not really sure what kind of creature could do that. Been doing a little bit of looking around the parts of these towns. Found out a few things that my friends here need to ask you about. Well, how pleasant for you, Sheriff. I did not know that you had any friends. That's where we'll leave off for this episode. Thank you all for listening today. Before we go, we should go around the horn, see if there are any plugs or anything like that. Uh, Paul, do you have anything you would like to promote or plug where people can talk to you on the interwebs? Yeah, follow me on at Paul Allen Dixon, A-L-A-N. Uh, I should be on Instagram and Twitter with that same handle. And please, for the love of God, vote. Earl Kim, what do you, you have to promote? Oh, um... I uh, am actually going to be uh, guesting on Brian Detchert and uh, his wife Amelia's stream for Detchert Games. If anyone's played Detroit Being Become Human, he's the actor from that. Yeah, so I'll be guesting on his podcast or his Twitch stream at noon on October fourth. So uh, y'all can tune in and hang out with me there. But otherwise, find me on uh, Instagram at Firestorm uh, or Twitch as Earl of Sandwich and Twitter as Earl of Sandwich as well without the T. Perfect. Uh, Crystal Llewellyn, what do you have to plug? Um, I am doing live streams on Twitch uh, every Sunday. I'm doing various makeup looks. So you can find me over there at Crystal Llewellyn MUA, which is also my Instagram handle if you want to follow me there. I also have an Etsy shop where you can buy masks and other like makeup artist accoutrement. Uh, so you can find that on Etsy at sh- uh, Shop Rogue and on Instagram at Shop Rogue Etsy. And for that, I'd like to add the note of you should be wearing a mask. The pandemic is not over and go vote. GTM, do you want to plug anything? I stream on Twitch. Um, I kind of do like artsy uh, photo mode adventures on video games. Um, you could find me Wednesdays and Saturday nights um, at Japarican one That's also my Instagram and uh, Twitter. Also, please vote. I want to be alive next year. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Dan? What do you got? Uh, at Hemingway Light, please go vote. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to Dice Try. I'm your host, Daniel Schaub, and this episode's cast has included Paul Dixon, Earl Kim, and Crystal Llewellyn. This production has been edited by Gabriel Toya Melendez with special music provided by Glenn Davis. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dice Try Podcast. And while you're there, don't forget to subscribe and review. Was the food good? Yes, the food was very I, I good. It was good. It, it's, it seems <laughs> sounded like, good. Sounded good. Uh, you you had to add a lot of salt, and they weren't too heavy on the uh, seasoning. I have my I have like my own pocket of seasoning <laughs> that I've put on everyone's. Thank you.